Behold, thus saith the Lord unto my servant, William E. McClellan, Blessed are you, inasmuch as you have turned away from your iniquities, and have received my truth, saith the Lord your Redeemer, the Savior of the world, even of as many as believe on my name. Hey listeners, this is Avery from Book of Mormon Central, and today's podcast addresses the question, why did William E. McClellan call the Book of Mormon the apple of my eye? William E. McClellan joined the church in Illinois in the summer of 1831 and was called as one of the original members of the Quorum of the Twelve in 1835. But McClellan was inconsistent, Stephen C. Harper observed. His determination wavered. As a result, eventually, he broke with his leaders in the wake of the Kirtland financial difficulties of 1837 and was excommunicated in May 1838. Decades later, anti-Mormon writer James T. Cobb contacted McClellan as part of his efforts to establish the falsity of the Book of Mormon through an extensive examination of its origins. McClellan probably seemed like someone who would be sympathetic to Cobb's agenda. After all, not only was he excommunicated, but he also quickly became an active, even irascible opponent of the church, and personally hostile, to the point, apparently, of seeking to do violence, to Joseph Smith. By 1880, when Cobb contacted him, McClellan had also become estranged from the various Restoration Splinter groups. Yet the response Cobb received likely came as a bit of a shock to him. When I thoroughly examine a subject and settle my mind, McClellan explained, then higher evidence must be introduced before I change. I have set my seal that the Book of Mormon is a true, divine record, and it will require more evidence than I have ever seen to ever shake me relative to its purity. McClellan had read the arguments of critics like Cobb, but insisted instead, my evidences are above them all. Principal among the evidences McClellan appealed to was the testimony of the 11 formal Book of Mormon witnesses. He had known most of them personally, and it was their testimonies that converted him to the church in the first place. On July 18, 1831, McClellan listened to Latter-day Saint missionaries preach, one of whom was David Whitmer. After his companion finished speaking, David Whitmer then arose and bore testimony to having seen an holy angel who made known the truth of this record to him. Over the next couple of weeks, McClellan continued listening to the missionaries preach. Then, knowing that they were headed for Independence, Missouri, McClellan started west on August 3rd, hoping to get to Independence before them and see if the testimony of the other witnesses would agree with theirs. On August 18th, McClellan arrived in Jackson County, where he soon ran into David Whitmer again, this time with Martin Harris, whom McClellan now met for the first time. The two witnesses accompanied McClellan on a 10-mile journey out to one of the villages where saints were gathering. The next day, McClellan met Hiram Smith, the brother of the prophet Joseph, and one of the eight witnesses. McClellan and Hiram went into the woods for a private conversation that lasted four hours. I inquired into the particulars of the coming forth of the record, McClellan wrote in his journal, of the rise of the church and its progress and upon the testimonies given to him, Hiram. Since first hearing about the Book of Mormon, McClellan had pondered all he had heard. Then, on August 20th, he rose early and betook himself to earnest prayer. He wanted God to direct him into truth. As he prayed, McClellan had a realization. From all the light that I could gain by examinations, searches, and researches, I was bound as an honest man to acknowledge the truth and validity of the Book of Mormon, and also that I had found the people of the Lord, the living Church of Christ. He was baptized later that day by Hiram Smith. Over the next few months and years, McClellan would continue to have interactions with these three and other Book of Mormon witnesses. This translated into a powerful testimony of, and great love for, the Book of Mormon.
As a missionary, which included time as the companion of Samuel H. Smith, another one of the eight witnesses, the Book of Mormon and evidences in its behalf, together with the witnesses' testimonies of its divinity, were, quote, by far the most frequent topics in his sermons, as he copiously recorded in his six missionary journals between 1831 and 1836. Despite his later disillusionment with Joseph Smith and the church, his many experiences with the Book of Mormon witnesses made a lasting impact on him. As he wrote to Cobb, I became acquainted with all the Smith family and the Whitmer family, and I heard all their testimonies, which agreed in the main points. I believed them then, and I believe them yet. As he recalled later in life, one particular conversation with David Whitmer and Oliver Cowdery left him quite convinced of the honesty and the veracity to their testimony. It was in late July 1833, when mobbing reigned triumphant in Jackson County. The mob was specifically searching out McClellan and Oliver, and a reward was set on their heads. The two men had fled from their homes for fear of personal violence, and both found themselves seeking refuge at the Whitmer's settlement. There, in the lonely woods, just outside the Whitmer's farm, McClellan later recalled, I met with David Whitmer and Oliver Cowdery. McClellan confronted the two witnesses head-on. Brethren, I never have seen an open vision in my life, but you men say you have, and therefore you positively know. Now you know that our lives are in danger every hour if the mob can only catch us. Tell me in fear of God, is that Book of Mormon true? Oliver Cowdery looked at McClellan with solemnity depicted in his face and responded, Brother William, God sent his holy angel to declare the truth of the translation of it to us, and therefore we know. And though the mob kill us, yet we must die declaring its truth. David corroborated what Oliver said. Oliver has told you the solemn truth, for we could not be deceived. I most truly declare to you its truth. After hearing both men, McClellan responded, I believe you. I can see no object for you to tell me falsehood now when our lives are endangered. Having received such powerful testimony firsthand from men he had known and served with for years, whose character and integrity he had observed directly, McClellan was right to demand a high standard of evidence from those criticizing the Book of Mormon. He held the book in deepest love and highest esteem and took the contents and doctrines of it very seriously and personally. So in responding to Cobb, McClellan confidently and affirmatively went on the offensive. When a man goes at the Book of Mormon, he touches the apple of my eye. He fights against truth, against purity, against light, against the purest, or one of the truest, purest books on earth. I have more confidence in the Book of Mormon than any book of this wide earth. And it's not because I don't know its contents, for have probably read it through 20 times. I have read it carefully through within a year and made many notes on it. It must be that a man does not love purity when he finds fault with the Book of Mormon. In the present day, the opportunity to know and cross-examine the Book of Mormon witnesses, as McClellan did, is gone. Hence, the writings and records of individuals like McClellan, who knew the witnesses well and questioned them about their experiences, are of tremendous value. As Stephen C. Harper observed, it is hard to imagine someone better positioned to evaluate the testimonies of the Book of Mormon witnesses than William McClellan. He had no interest in sustaining the church, Yet when it came to the Book of Mormon, he was bound by the evidence to acknowledge its truth and validity. Harper went on to add, McClellan not only knew the testimonies of the Book of Mormon witnesses, he knew some of the witnesses personally and interviewed them intimately. He was no fool, no dupe. 
and he was positioned to know whether the witnesses were fools, dupes, or conspirators. So well informed, McClellan chose to believe the testimonies of the witnesses were truthful. Thanks to the compellingly documented accounts of the witnesses' testimonies left behind by McClellan and many others, seekers today, too, can make the rational and spiritual choice to embrace the testimonies of the Book of Mormon witnesses and to enjoy and eternally cherish this fruit of God's tree of life. Thank you for listening. For more information on the Book of Mormon, visit bookofmormoncentral.org and click on the Know Why tab.